Happy Friday. Uh, coming up on the news and why it matters, uh, Obama's star is falling, and we're all really sad about it. Mm. Uh, more debate analysis from Mr. Pat Gray. Yeah. From Pat Gray Unleashed, yeah. who is in the House. Mm. And uh, the U.S. withdraws from the INF Treaty. A lot to get into. It starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. Uh, I am Sarah Gonzalez, and yes, as Stu just pointed out as we were going through the open, we're talking about the INF Treaty, so obviously we have Jason Buttrell <laughs> yes, with us so <laughs> on the program. So uh, all right, Stu, your top story. Okay, um, I am fascinated by this development in the uh, Democratic Party, where now there's a pushback on people criticizing Biden because it's okay to criticize Joe Biden. Not okay to criticize Barack Obama. Uh, that is off limits for Democrats. Um, now, a lot of the criticism that they're giving is is, is funny because it's sort of the criticism you know that we kind of came up with over the years. Uh, they they're now echoing it, um, and a lot of the things that they said during between 2008 and 2016, they're now kind of admitting, um, which is it's just infuriating, honestly. Uh, Joe Biden came out at a press conference yesterday and said, look, there was nothing moderate about what Barack Obama did with Obamacare. <laughs> nothing. It's like, wait a minute, you sold it to us like it was common sense solution that came from the Heritage Foundation. Uh, and and it, was, it wasn't the same as Romney. It was like Romney care. Remember that whole thing? Now it, there's nothing moderate about it. Um, they're just sort of reversing themselves, which is interesting. But it's an interesting strategy from a Democratic candidate. If you want to win the Democratic Party, you want to please Democratic voters, right? If you want to win that nomination, you got to please the voters. Well, Barack Obama is wildly popular among Democratic voters. In, in approval ratings, he is at among the entire Democratic Party at 95 to 4 in approval rating. Wow. 95 to 4. One, another thing you need to do if you want to win the Democratic uh, um, nomination is you need to get some uh, African-American voters voting for you. The Buttigieg does not understand this yet. <laughs> May never understand it. Um, but, uh, you know, you're going to South Carolina as your third primary. And as a very large African-American population, you got the same thing on Super Tuesday. Like, it's a big part of this. Um, he his approval rating among uh, Barack Obama's approval rating among African-Americans is ninety nine to zero. Not ninety nine to one, ninety nine to zero. There was one percent undecided. undecided. Yes. Okay. So like, I don't know. He's all right. I'm not going to commit, though. Yeah. Ninety nine to zero. Wow. So you're coming out there. You know, Cory Booker was doing it. Kamala Harris was doing it. Um, there was a bunch of people on stage that were going after. Uh, Julian Castro, who was in the administration, is criticizing the record. Um, it's sort of pathetic because they're just all piling on Joe Biden. And I was at that point where I was like, I was almost feeling bad for the guy. I mean, he was just getting kicked and kicked and kicked and kicked. Um, if you go to overall voters in the big swing states, you know, we know what happened in 2016. States like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, um, Michigan. These are the states that, you know, swung the election to Trump. So, one of the big ideas of the election is the voters who are in those states, what do they think about, uh, about um, Barack Obama? If you're going to go out and criticize him, well, he's, I think it's, you know, including Republicans, he's at 57% approval in those three states. So this is a guy who's, generally speaking, well thought of. 
Usually what happens when you leave the presidency, your, your approval ratings rebound. This happened with George W. Bush, who left, mm-hmm. who left office with like a 32% approval rating, and now it's in the high 50s. Um, it comes back for you. And so that's part of it is sort of just you're remembering the old thing, and you have sort of positive memories about whatever is old. Um, but it is, it's, a, it's a situation where you go out and criticize Barack Obama, you go hard left, uh, another poll that uh, that uh, Harry Enten featured on CNN, it was a great breakdown of this, was 55% of Democratic voters say, you know what, we like Obamacare, we want to expand it a little bit. 39% say we want Medicare for all. That's a 16-point gap. Did it feel like that watching those uh, debates? <coughs> it felt like it was a crazy position to say that you would rather just have Obamacare plus. And that's what Biden's trying to provide. So I think at this point, the Democrats have not fleshed out what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They know they can't sit back and do nothing against Biden or will roll to the nomination. But they can't really criticize Biden without uh, criticizing Obama, which is another thing they can't do. So they, a lot of them have landed in this third place, which Kamala Harris did successfully in the first debate, which was like, hey, you know that thing you did in like 1965, right? <laughs> Um, and the other part, and the person who did it unsuccessfully was Gillibrand, trying to go after him. Hey, you wrote an op-ed that I saw one line of, and I'm very offended 40 years later. <laughs> uh, you know, she's obviously terrible at this and very insincere. But, like, the idea that you have to find something to criticize this guy over, but you can't criticize his record as vice president. That's a tough, I don't know how you thread that needle. Mm-hmm. And, and they have not been able to do it so it's, far. It's also interesting, um, Pat, maybe you can speak to this, that the approval rating overall for Barack Obama is so high among Democrats, yet in the same breath they're telling us we need to fix his failed health care policy. Yeah. Incredible. What, why, is, why is that, why are they appro- I, approving of that? And why... Why don't Republicans capitalize on that? Yeah. It's what we said from the beginning. Obamacare was just a stepping stone to single-payer health care. Mm-hmm. And they called us conspiracy theorists and racists for, for saying it. And it's obviously true. And uh, now they're in a tough place, all of them, because they have to, like Stu was saying, when they're trying to criticize Biden, they've got to do it without criticizing Obama. And now they have to criticize the health care program without criticizing Obama mm-hmm. as well and the health care program. And all the rest of them who voted for it. For some reason, it's a really, I mean, maybe the middle ground is it's a really good system. We can just make it better. But I don't know that that sells when it's a $32 trillion program. Well, it's going to be tough. Bernie Sanders said on stage, there is no one who can defend the dysfunctionality of the system when he's talking about health care. <laughs> This is your system. Yeah. yeah. This is your thing. And, and I think yeah. like they're, they're sort of like nuance on it when they try to actually explain it is they basically try to say it was working really well. And then Donald Trump came in and changed it. <laughs> now, there have been minor tweaks around the edges on Obamacare that Trump yeah. has been successful in. Like, for example, the individual mandate is one of the things that I think was actually really um, they didn't really get rid of it, but they they zeroed out the fee on it, which you know, it changed probably a little bit. You know, there's a few people who may have been on the program that are now off of it because they decided I don't I don't have a fee anymore. I no longer have to join. But that number is small. It's basically a thing where they're trying to to push it off to Trump. But it's not believable. The thing's called Obamacare, mm-hmm. you know, and that is one of the things the lang- the lasting legacy is not the 
because uh, it's not even just the Affordable Care Act. It's the Patient Participation in Affordable Care Act, I think is the official name, the PPACT. Uh, I can't remember the exact uh, letters. Patient Protection. Protection, protection, that's a participation. Yeah. They're always participating in their own treatments. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. Uh, patient <laughs> protection. Uh, it's it, it, that the legacy of it being called Obamacare makes it inseparable mm-hmm. from from him. And this, they're trying to walk this line. It, it's funny to watch. Frankly, I, it's, it's it's agonizing seeing them <laughs> going up there and saying, "Yeah, healthcare sucks. It's so bad." This is something you created. Mm-hmm. We're, we're critiquing Obamacare. Mm-hmm. That's the primary reason why premiums are going up so much. That's why everyone's li- they they there's like, "Screw it. I can't afford this this coverage because of the government regulations." And that's what they won't say. Mm-hmm. Instead, they'll be like, "Oh, I've got this great plan to fix it." Like Obamacare plus a uh, you know, plus a you know, a, a, a Biden's plan plus a uh, you know, a public option. Public option. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Plus the public option. Well, what is that going to do to private insurance? I mean, if you've already regulated the heck out of it, plus you've set the market price at whatever, it's gonna make it's gonna make these private insurance companies end up going out of business eventually because the prices are gonna go sky high. More than that, the several way. of the plans make it illegal. Yep. Yes. Make private yes. healthcare insurance insurance illegal. Yeah. And, well, yeah. and it is interesting that it's not come up in any of the debates. No one's had to answer for all of the jobs that are going to be lost once you get rid of all of these the private insurance. Yeah. Right. Like, so what are all those people going to do who currently work for all of those companies? No one's talking about that. And think about when everybody is being paid based on Medicare rates or Medicaid rates. What's that going to do to the doctor profession? Mm -hmm. Are you going to go through 12 extra years of schooling and all of the residencies you have to do, building up all the experience you have to do, have the hours that you have to have, be on call all the time, work on weekends, late nights for $50,000 that right. the government's going to pay you a year? Right. Nobody's going to do that. No. Nobody. And if you do, it, you don't do it like you just described, right? You show up and you do your hours and you leave and you don't, yeah. uh, you know, this is why the performance is so poor in these other countries. Mm-hmm. And it all, fun- I think, fundamentally comes down to one central issue, which is if you hear how they talk about this, they vilify the profit motive. Mm-hmm. And they look at that as a negative. We look at it as a positive. And, you know, like you can go to these other countries, you can get their health care if you want. You can see what, what kind of quality. You can see the wait lists. You can see mm-hmm. uh, the, the rationing. You can see all these massive problems that wind up happening in these other countries. Um, and the, the reason they have they have it because they're able to successfully to make that argument to the people that the, the profit motive is a bad thing. Well, I got news for you. Like, you know how hard it's going to be to run a net, how hard is it going to be to run the Brit- British health care system when we're not developing all these new drugs? Mm-hmm. We're not developing all these new treatments when they don't have a capitalist um, uh, ex- experimentation going on over here that can provide all those things that go over there. Well, you'll still have 10% of the world's medicine being developed. Oh, that's good. I mean, that's what, plenty. What, you don't need what do you want? That. You want the other 90 too? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I also don't understand the disconnect between, you know, you're saying people are trying to say that for profit is bad. Right. So Mm. why do they only say that when it comes to the insurance companies? But then you say, okay, well, then go directly to the doctor and tell the doctor he's supposed to do all these things for free. Yeah. Right. Like the doctors are allowed to make that money. Yeah, they're they're okay to do it. But the insurance companies are the evil ones. Yeah. I don't understand the disconnect there. And it's just one example. Right. Like what is more central to human life than health care? I'll give you an example. Food. 
Yeah. Are food companies allowed to be for profit? <laughs> why are they allowed? Why do we have? Why don't we have it be zero profit for all food companies? How about bottled water, man? That's bottled the water. Profit on that has got to be incredible. Why should they be able to? It's a fundamental human. It's a fundamental right to eat and drink. If it's a fundamental right to get health care. The, the, the other agonizing thing on this is every time they even get close to discussing cost, like what is this going to cost, you know, the average American middle class, you know, our taxes are going to go up. I think uh, Warren was asked twice. Oh, more than once, that. Once and then to, there was Matthews. one. Yeah, there was one like he was back to back. He was like, but will it go up? But will it go up? And then she kept going back to overall costs yep. will go down. Which is, is, of course, it, ridiculous. Yeah, is, is, that, is that, that a, what Obama said, too, about health care? Uh, he said he was going to go down twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, but he was premiums talking about your premiums. Down. Right, premiums. What they're down. talking about is the the lack of premiums will offset the tax increase, and that's just not true. <laughs> is that assuming that's that every family is going to have a catastrophic medical, you know, emergency yeah. like every week or something? Like that? <laughs> Maybe in that case, that's possible then. Well, but it's, if if you're yeah. if they're basing this off of like a let's say the National Health Service in the UK, I've seen pay stubs from what that costs. It is not free, even though they say they say, of course, they say no more doctor bills. Mm -hmm. Well, that's true in the sense that you don't get a bill directly from the guy that you go whenever time you get a cold. You get billed every single paycheck. Not it's you get paid twice. You get billed twice a month. And it's something like around on average around five hundred dollars a month every month Mm -hmm. if you work in the U.K., that's what you're for paying. lower quality care than you get here. Right. Because right. yeah, someone could say, well, $500, that's less than my premium. Okay, well, you've got to wait in line, too, if you have anything. And you know, it also doesn't include the government subsidies, which mm-hmm. is the main part of that. They're taking a small chunk of the actual cost of the health care from each individual person. They, they, out of that sort of, they, they can raise taxes, they can dump money into these things, and they spread it out. They're smart, right? I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's, when you put a separate line on that check, people start thinking it's part of their civilization. It was legitimately one of the plans of FDR to have the separate tax. So it wasn't just raising the normal tax and just take the money and give it to Social Security. It was, we need a line about that because then every single time it, it's, it's in there. You know, it's already baked in. You already pay that tax. It's it's paying mm-hmm. for that program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look, progressives have been really smart about stuff like that. To build in these things that have never existed in the American experiment until recently and make them sort of a fun, foundational part of this. I always whine about Medicare and Social Security, but, I mean, it's a number one, I mean, a hundred, more than 100% of our oncoming debt. Uh, but number two, it's it's the thing that, you know, you can talk to hardcore conservatives and they will say, don't touch my Medicare, don't touch my Social Security. And like those are socialist programs. That's what they are. They are socialist programs. You might say, well, I put money into it and I should get it out. And that's true. You signed a contract, basically. You know, this is part of your agreement. And I, I would agree that you should get that out. But long term. It's not a good idea to say the government, you know what, we're going to be responsible for your retirement savings. That's not a good thing. Hey, we're going to be responsible for for all of your health care past a certain age, even if you're Bill Gates. Those aren't good ideas. Mm -hmm. They're just ideas we're comfortable with. And once you get past that level of comfortability, they're locked into the society. All right. uh, Next up, Pat's take on the Democratic debates this week. We'll be back. Very excited about that. Not bad. I'm good to hear on the news. <laughs> you're what he has to say. But you're you, you actually you're actually you. You're Pat. Oh. All right, Pat. Uh, you were not with us 
the the day after either debate. Mm -hmm. So we're looking forward mm -hmm. to hearing your take on it. Yeah, I I wanted to kind of um, give my opinion on who I think uh, won the overall two nights, mm -hmm. combining all twenty candidates. Who who was the winner? And to me, it was unquestionably Seth Moulton. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, Seth Moulton. Now he was not still, in either debate. Right, exactly. So because he stayed right. at home. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike every other person on that stage, he didn't embarrass himself, <laughs> and he wasn't spewing Marxist rhetoric. I think Seth was a huge winner this week, and uh, I applaud him. Wow. Good, Good job, Seth. Good job, Seth. Um, you know, it's, it's stunning what's going on in the Democrat Party right now. It's, just, it's really hard to believe. Um, it's like we took a wrong turn and ended up in Leningrad, 1946. <laughs> and we're trying to, these guys are fighting for who's going to become the next Soviet premier. It's unbelievable. And you think about who these people are. You've got Beto, uh, who took poop out of his baby's diaper God, and put it that. into a bowl and served it to his wife, trying to get her to think that it was avocado. So That's cute. really funny, for one thing. My Such wife loves joke. it when I do that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, huge. she's a huge yeah. diaper, I avocado so. joke lover. I don't know your wife very well, <laughs> no, but she's, obviously she loves she's that She's all on board stuff. with that. Obviously. Right? You got Yang, Andrew Yang, who was, for some reason, weirdly against circumcision. I don't know what it, remember that? It's a big issue in the United States. I did hear, because Ben Shapiro had him on for an hour and asked him about that. He's like, hey, you know, the circumcision thing, like, what's the deal? And the guy's like, no, I just, it's just, I don't have a policy on it. It's just like my preference. He doesn't have a policy on something? Crazy. Then why are you bringing it up? I know. I mean, it is, it was a strange I have an opinion on foot fungus, but I'm not bringing it into a <laughs> political discussion. Well, can you now that you brought it up? Okay, well, no, I can't. What is your oh, opinion? You to myself. Oh, I love foot fungus. Oh, you got it out of me. Oh, you it out of me. You're the only I candidate that loves foot fungus. I love it. Mm -hmm. uh, you got Biden and his creepiness with women, you know. Um, hey, honey, sit on my lap. Mm -hmm. uh, with the My favorite one, even though the, the uh, images of him... You know, with the arms around the little girls and getting in their faces yeah. and stuff. My favorite is still the biker chick. The biker yes. Yeah, I love that, that one. Especially with because the, other the, guy. the guy behind him, Troll, is his name. <laughs> yeah. he and he's, pissed, he's pissed right? off. That's his, Troll that's is not his, happy. That's his biker mama. He's <laughs> yeah. that she's on, on Biden's lap. I will say that was one of the best parts about the, the last debate was Joe Biden's closing segment where he's like, uh, go Joe, 330, 30. 3-0. He didn't have any idea what he was saying. Right, and I thought <laughs> no that was idea. so encouraging because that means he's not texting, which considering <laughs> yeah. his history with women, True. like that is, he does not understand True. text messages. That's fantastic for women across <laughs> the, the country. The New York Times had the best story on that and the headline line was hilarious because they I guess they tracked how many people were going to www.joe30 whatever <laughs> but it was like a send them <laughs> said Joe's uh, response president vice president Biden's uh strange tech you know you know gaff or whatever yeah. sent um, tons of his uh his followers on a wild a digital wild goose chase didn't someone actually register that was not yes. the biden campaign <laughs> oh, the right after yes. and i gotta say like I, I think this table is the only table that can relate to what i'm about to say but as i was watching this i actually felt an immense like amount of like sympathy 
for his staff. Yes. Because I've, we've seen Glenn do that thing <laughs> so many times yes. over the years. We work so hard to line something up and you have it all right. Just go and say, text Joe to 30330. It's perfect. And you got guts, text Joe, 30. Dude, they're just, they're watching you're it like, like, they're like. Except oh. he didn't say text. He's no, like, oh, he just said, go, go, to, go to Joe. Joe. Go, to, go Joe. to Joe. Joe, you're like, no. <laughs> now we Is can't that a cup it. of Joe? Is it? <laughs> this massive audience. We need them to text us and you're telling them to go to show. Like, I, how many times have I been so like, great. we're like, Glenn, be like, we have this huge special. We're taking knocking half off the subscription. Big thing to go to. It'll just come out and it'll just say the wrong address. And you're like, no, we work so hard. Glenn, his name is Buttrill, not Batrill. I'm here with Jason Batrill today. <laughs> <laughs> no! You could have told him 10 seconds before, and he'll still yeah, say he'll oh, still it. Yeah, still mess it up. Still mess it up. But it's a weird, it's a weird lineup. Hickenlooper took his mom to a porn movie when he was oh, 20. Yeah. You know, you've got Bernie, who... <laughs> that's weird, right? You're yeah, saying that? Weird. Okay. I'm saying that's <laughs> yeah. weird. Okay. I'm saying most people yeah, probably haven't experienced weird. that. Mm -hmm. uh, Bernie, uh, an avowed socialist who, who honeymooned naked in the Soviet Union with his wife and a bunch of other naked people around. And, and it's also very angry. Really. Very angry. Horrible. I don't know that disposition I've guy. ever met a person as angry as Bernie Sanders comes off in these debates. No. He and, and every speech, like I've never seen him smile. If anyone tries to make a funny comment to him, he always takes it back to like angry and serious. Yeah. He is a miserable, miserable. guy. Yeah. That's miserable guy. and that's what scares me the most, I think, about that is the two people that they cheer the most for are the socialists. You know, the one that doesn't even deny that he's a socialist. Oh, Tuesday night, there was no question who the rock stars were. Oh, my gosh. It was Bernie. They went nuts for him. And yep. it was Elizabeth Warren. Warren. They yep. went nuts for her. Everybody else who came out got kind of polite. You have, Del applause. You have Delaney saying, wait, the American way is to give people choice. Crickets. Yeah. No yeah. one said a thing. And that yeah. one's fascinating because Biden's making that argument, too. And it's like, what I'm saying is, any person that would like to be on Medicare by the government can do it. I'm just saying if they are like, I love my health care where I am, we shouldn't just rip it away from them. That's getting booed by the Democrats. Mm, it's like, that's a crazy idea. I know. Uh, I, I, it, well, w the only thing that gives me hope there is that the, the audience this time was specifically invited by the Democrat Party. Mm -hmm. So there were no rank-and-file people there. There weren't people oh, that right. came okay. in. These were invited Richard guests okay. of the Democrat Party. So I'm hoping, because can it, be, can it possibly be that rank-and-file Democrats have gone this extreme? I, I don't think so. Oh. I hope not. Uh, I mean, it's and, and it's it's spread We're in out trouble if if they are. The, the New York Times released a uh, map of the donors from around the country. This is, it's fascinating. So they show it. Um, the first map you see, it's all different colors. Like you know, Texas is all red. And then Brett Beto's color was red. Like Kobachar had her color up there. Elizabeth Warren has a pocket. Everyone everyone has a pocket around their their uh, area. And then they're like, um, that's the map without Bernie Sanders. They put Bernie Sanders. The entire thing is Sanders, except for Texas. And that's wow. Beto, and that's it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you, you, there's almost no pocket of any other color on the map because he's dominated donations by that much. When it comes to 
individual donors. Did you see de Blasio's? No. It looked hilarious. Like, everybody else, they, they at least they had a little bit of, you know, pigmentation yeah, where yeah. they come from. Not de Blasio. The entire map was white. There was no color on it at all. Not even in New York That's did he have any donations. I don't understand how he can't get <laughs> donations from these people. I don't understand it's how so... they found enough colors to represent every single candidate running. <laughs> yeah, right. a lot of colors. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. It was a 4K map. They had to get the extra pixels <laughs> right. in there for that. <laughs> That was so so nerdy and so interesting. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. All right, Jason, you're up. Talking so. trees with Jason Matrill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we for, formally today, we, we were out of the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty. Um, I think that was 1987, I believe. This is a Reagan-Gorbachev thing. Mm. Um, and to explain all this, I'm going to use a... a chalkboard. I should have, actually. <laughs> no, uh, even better, I'm going to use a Dan Aykroyd Chevy Chase movie. Uh, oh, should have won spies more. like us. Spies yes, like <laughs> I'm surprised you heard about that. Oh my god, it's one of my favorite it. movies of all time. Um, t- t- and the reason I'm going to use that is because I just want to explain why we even have the uh, INF treaty uh, to begin with. First off, I want to say that nuclear treaties don't prevent nuclear war. Mm-hmm. Nuclear weapons prevent nuclear war. Mm-hmm. Um, and the INF Treaty was kind of like a knee-jerk reaction to when uh, there was a few other nuclear powers that were starting to come up. Um, and then we pretty much kind of conceded the fact that uh, we've got intercont- intercontinental ballistic missiles that we can fire and, and kill each other off with. And they were like, well, what else do we do? Well, let's have these smaller range nuclear missiles, which didn't mean a thing because we both had the, op- uh, the capability to destroy each other. So a, little, a few other missiles that traveled less distance didn't matter. They actually do not matter. Right, unless you're... Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, the, the big ones can go anywhere they want. Yeah, right. right? So, so yeah. short yeah, or long. They're cheaper, yeah. I guess, maybe? Or is it... I mean, what's the, what, what's the argument for even having them? There isn't really. There, there's really no argument into having them. There's no point into really having them. Mm. Um, Spies Like Us, the reason I bring that up is because that was the image. And Gorbachev and, and Reagan, when they were kids, or not when they were kids, but when they when, when they, <laughs> there were no nuclear weapons at that point. Um, when they were first coming up. There at that point. I don't <laughs> um, in the beginning, during their administrations, they, uh, nuclear, nuclear uh, war was pretty much like in Spies Like Us. An intercontinental, intercontinental ballistic missile would go up in the air. You could sit back, have a cheeseburger, order a pizza, and then you could, you know, ho- if you had some kind of technology to knock out with a, via laser like in the movie, yeah. you had the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and they were like, okay, we've got plenty of time, you know, to, to fire up our own, you know, missiles, do a counterattack, all that stuff. So that was like their era. Um, but as technology improved, more and more smaller missiles, you know, they were miniaturized. They came, that, that's when all the, the, the threat was perceived from these like intermediate range missiles. So that's when they signed the treaty. Now it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't really matter. Like we have all these missiles, the, inter, inter, uh, the treaty that they signed, it didn't stop nuclear war. Mm-hmm. The fact that both of us, if we ever used one, like let's say Russia used one of these small nuclear weapons and they hit Paris with it. They, die, they would end up dying in about 20 minutes. So it's the same if they launched an intercontinental yeah. b- ballistic missile mm-hmm. to the United States. Mm-hmm. The result would be they would die in about 20 minutes. 
It's exactly the same. So what's the argument for pulling out of it if it doesn't matter? So we're pulling out of it because the geopolitical situation has changed. Uh, We now have China that was not included in this. And everything you'll hear from our administration um, and even the Europeans, the Europeans have, have a little bit more of reason to worry about it because they are closer, you know, to Russia and these could like actually be pointed at them. But that, so could the big ones. So could the big ones. <laughs> exactly. They have a little bit more of a dog in the fight uh, to, to this. But um, lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? Oh, oh so, so why do we pull out of it? So that's the, re- the reason why we, we we're pulling out of it, because now we have uh, people like China. Mm-hmm. Nations like China were not involved in this. Like North Korea so they, they is not involved in this. We have to deal with the restrictions. They don't have to deal with the restrictions. Right. Exactly. They don't have to. And in fact, when we first announced that we were going to pull out of this several months ago, the same day we made the announcement, China did a test missile of another intermediate range missile. Uh, the exact same day. And that was not a mis- that, was, that, that was not a coincidence on their part. They did that very specifically. Kind of like a, hey, hey, we're still, pre- you know, we're still producing all these missiles. You know, good luck with the treaty that you're bound under. Mm. I don't think that the reason why we were in it was because of Russia. I think Russia gave us the excuse to pull out and then eventually in the future, we can go to China and say, look, none of us want these missiles. We want to make a treaty that, you know, nudge, nudge, you know, we know that's not really going to do anything, but it's going to be very political. You know, it's going to look very political if we do. We want to include everyone in, 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 this, uh, in this treaty, in this agreement. So let's go all back to the table with all of the nuclear powers right now, which is a lot larger than they were in 1987. Mm. Um, so we're not all going to die because this happens. There's not even going to be an arms race. The United States is not going to put uh, U.S. intermediate range missiles in, the, uh, in any NATO country. NATO countries would be stupid to do that because that would trigger an arms race. We're going to say we have the capability to produce them. We might even do a, a few test flights. But the whole purpose is, is to pressure China, pressure some of these other countries like Iran eventually, maybe North Korea eventually, to all come to the table and say, we want everybody under these restrictions, not just us in Russia, because mm-hmm. Russia is not really a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a very low-level regional power. Um, and if the main superpower in the world is, is under these restrictions, we want to bring everybody on the same level as Russia, other regional powers into this. Have you seen, um, is there evidence yet of mil- military leadership that would fire a nuclear weapon against their own country and then try to recall it to the last second? Um, with, with laser beams, because uh, I know in the movie they say uh, the, the general or whoever it is is like they launched the th- the plot of this movie. If you haven't seen it, is the the American government, the military, wants to develop like a Star Wars system, so to shoot down missiles. So they intentionally fire a missile from Russia, the Soviet Union at the time, at the United States. And then their point is, well, they launched a missile so we can knock it out with our laser beams. Aren't you so glad that we had them? Um, of course, they then they miss, uh, which is kind of a problem. And they try to justify the program. And I always hear the guy goes, uh, a weapon unused is a useless weapon. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a terrible philosophy. <laughs> That's not true at all. Um, also, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd seems to have all sorts of skills. 
And Chevy Chase has nothing. Like Chevy, all Chevy Chase is doing is going around hitting on chicks. And Dan Aykroyd is like this, like, he gets out of these code breaker. He's like a, a linguist. He knows he knows Russian. He's incredibly useful. And Chevy Chase is just hitting on all the babes. That's probably more of a, that's a better, that's one of the skills I want. Like, if I'm checking <laughs> off all the skills I'm going to be blessed with, hitting on chicks is like number one or number two. <laughs> so I, I could go into depth on this one if you guys want to, but I thought, uh, I think you just did. I think you did. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, so Emmett okay. Fitzhume is... Uh, Why do you remember the name? Yes, That's even the crazy. Name. I know, I love that You movie. know, that, that one line, though, about a weapon unused is a, what was it, a weapon, weapon. useless weapon. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funny about nuclear weapons that a lot of people don't realize. Like, nuclear weapons, there's a, there was really only two that we ever intended on using. Mm-hmm. And that was the first two used uh, against Japan. Uh, ever since then, we haven't intended to use any of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the first few, the, our, our first stockpile of it, like right after World War II, we said we might have to use these if Russia roll, or Soviet Union rolls through with, you know, two million troops or whatever and takes London. Mm-hmm. Then we would, we would have used uh, nuclear weapons. But ever since then, they've never intended to use them. No. Like, I guarantee, and I guarantee you, North Korea, they, they, they seem crazy. Uh, he's not that crazy because he knows he instantly dies. Yeah. Like, Kim Jong-un is all about regime survival. Yes. The thing that would guarantee the destruction of his regime, regime is firing a nuclear weapon. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's, the, that's the one point. So he's, even if he gets him, this is, and that's where that's go, that's a whole nother, you know, ball of wax there. Mm-hmm. But this will end with us recognizing them, recognizing them as a nuclear power. Yeah. They're not giving up their nukes. It's unbelievable. And it's unbelievable, and yeah. people are going to, and they're going to cry about it, but there, there's nothing we're going we're gonna to be able to do about it. Mm. Nothing. They're shooting. They're test firing missiles over the past few weeks, um, pretty much just to say, "Hey uh, guys, remember we don't want you guys doing uh, military uh, exercises. We want to get the end of the you know the war d- uh, done. Those things will, I don't, the latter will probably get done eventually. But we're still going to do exercises there, and they're not going to denuclearize. They're going to keep them, but there will be some. And look for all this talk and all these. If the first the tough talk and then the meetings like. Nothing's happened with North Korea. Same thing that just, we just came, mm-hmm. we just, Trump just talked about how this big thing that he did three months ago on trade with China, they didn't get any of the concessions that they said they reported at the time that they got. None of them. Wow. I mean, it is like, I, these, look, a lot of times I think we get sucked into these big storylines at the time. And I'm like, you know, North Korea doesn't change. I mean, they're, they are who they are. And I think you're right. Like, once you have nuclear power, you're, in the, you're at the cool kids table. And why would you ever give that up? There's only been one country in history that's ever given them up, which was South Africa. Um, you know, and you could kind of argue like Ukraine, but that was really the Soviet Union. Um, the, the, why would you do it? Why would you do it? You're automatically respected and people fear you. And when you get them, you keep them. And that, you know North, North Korea is going to do that. Yeah. Uh, so it's a slow news day and we could continue to talk about news stories. Or we can open up the table to talk about the fact that football... Oh, that was so great. Football's back. Uh, it was God. on my television screen last night. Thank God. And I felt like I, w- I had been going through withdrawals, and I was just like, <sighs> I, did, I forgot it was the in the come on. Right. Oh, really? I, 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 I flipped through, and I saw it on. I was like, instantly texting Stu, like, dude, in the middle, it's on TV. <laughs> it feels so good. It's like, I, it, it is like a... It brings me to like a safe space. You know what I mean? That whole like I'm like a co- like a woke college student. I've, right. I've, I'm in my little crying closet, and it makes me feel yes. so happy. I really, I just love seeing it. I mean, do I care about a, the fifth preseason game with uh, you know Atlanta and Denver and the, like? 
<laughs> you know, no, no one cares. But I just loved seeing With it. No yeah, starters. That's, yeah. right. That's the thing. Is like it was on my television set. I wasn't sitting it's there comforting. the entire time. Right. I wasn't yeah. sitting there the entire time watching every play. But I was just mm-hmm. so happy to know that it was on. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. There's something like about too. American culture with sports, and you know, Glenn never understands this. But like, I, you know, when I when summer comes and I'm out, you know, by the pool, and I turn on the, the Blue Jays, like you know, I'm a Blue Jays fan, so real American culture. <laughs> and uh, and and you just that radio voice that's that sound of baseball in the summer. Mm-hmm. I just freaking love it. Yeah. And it's the same thing with when that fir- those first football games come on. It just like brings me yep. to that like it's just a happy place. All just this to craziness hear the play from by play. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's so comforting to me. Yeah, I just I love it. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Chris Collinsworth, but just hearing him it sounds like yeah, it's football I like it. I like Collinsworth, I but I but I like I know what you mean. Like there's that. You know, you go back to the the days of you know Madden and, and like it, it just brings Summerall, Summerall, yeah. like yeah. yeah, like they just it, you know because the, there's this thing with baseball that I love is that those radio announcers they be they're the radio announcers for forty and fifty years, yeah. you know, like Bob Murphy mm-hmm. with the, they're Mets, the yeah. voice, yeah, yeah. and and, teams, and yeah. you and there's there's a guy at the Blue Jays as well that no one cares about, but yeah. like it brings me back to like those moments when you hear his you hear those voices and like it, it like. Paint the whole picture. I mean, that was one of the things that I loved about radio. Getting into it is like you don't. I actually like a lot of times to you know to listen to you know especially baseball for some reason. Like it almost adds a little bit to it, even though you're not seeing the pictures. Like it, there's something just just like an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I I it felt great. Are you a fan of Joe Buck? Yeah, he's all right. I don't oh, think I I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater. I have a shirt that says Why? "Shut Up, Joe Buck." Why? I just, he just is obnoxious to me. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't and, think But so I can't wear the shirt because my, I have a son who can read. Oh. <laughs> the language that we say in my house. Yeah. So I always Shut up see. Is no, it's not. Forbidden. A, it oh, is. Wow. It is. For at least a couple of years until she's, he starts saying it to you. <laughs> then it's really forbidden. <laughs> it gets a smack on the face. Um, all right, so, but Pat, you're more of a college football. Yeah, right? well, I, I love the NFL, but I, I love college football more. What do you think BYU is going to do this year? 12 and 0. Um, 14 and 0 after the <laughs> really? playoffs. Yeah. Really? Yes. So, so national that's what I always think every single year. That's true. And this is no different. Every year I've known Pat, he's predicted a national championship uh-huh. for this <laughs> year. And he was right in 1984. I was. Oh, well, there was, was right. the one this year. Could be, it's the 35th anniversary. <laughs> could be coming back to what me. What do you think the Eagles are going to do this year, Stowe? I am um, not nearly as optimistic as Pat is on my teams. Um, and I always expect them to be horrible. Mm-hmm. I'm terrified this year because I actually feel like the Eagles could be good oh. and when that happens that is always a recipe for disaster um, they are they you know, have to be good the, they've got too I, much talent injuries could could change that yeah. Of course. yeah but I mean they're they are incredibly talented very well coached mm. their GM's awesome like they just are a they're a really good franchise like that has not been the case for the entire Plus, run Wentz of the Eagles is just plain likable yeah, he's a good quarterback. Oh my gosh, he's just plain likable. So, yeah, I, I want like to hate him so badly, but I can't. Yeah, you can't. Oh, I like him. Like they just, re- you know, like they released some footage of him the other day at the camp. Yeah. He's just walking down the line. There's this little kid, and he's got like the 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 green hair, and he's like, he, you know, he's in a wheelchair, and he's and like, you know, he's, he's just like, you're my hero, and he comes over and he spends all this time Aww. with him, and you're just like, God, this guy's like the greatest guy of all time. Now, do I expect him to like go down his driveway and crash into a tree like Tiger Woods at some? point probably uh, <laughs> just to ruin it all for all of us but he's you know and, and he's such a guy of faith too i mean that whole team is such a is you know that story of him and the little kid right the little kid with was it cancer 
Mm -mm. And he was a huge fan. They did a special on that, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. and they really great. Oh, man, it's heart-wrenching. Yeah. And the kid gave him a wristband that says something on it, meaningful (laughs) about his struggle. I forget what it was. It's a good story so far. Well, he wears it to to this day. Oh, every day. It's always on. Yeah, like after, I think it was his rookie year. Um, yeah. He, uh, they had a, a situation where, like, you know, he came back and they were talking about him, and it, it was about the, the next season was about to start, and they, they, like, in the story, like, it was you know buried and no one knew about it at the time that he was just like, down in Haiti for like multiple weeks, like working wow. with like you know, with like charity Christian charities, uh, you know, down there, and 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 mm. he has a great charity of his own uh, called the uh, Audience of One Foundation, I believe it is. Um, in an audience of one being like you're doing everything for God like this guy is like a legit believer and and mm. and lives it seemingly you never know obviously but it seems like he really does and it, it's funny because it does. as a guy who's an Eagles fan living in Dallas like it tortures everybody I know that the Eagles have such a guy of character I mean, that finally. they can't help but oh. liking oh no believe oh. me I'm with you on this <laughs> most of the time you know they, I mean it has not been the case yeah. but, but, but and, and a lot of the team is like this but what's going to happen is uh, as in the past two years is the question is not how many games the Eagles will win or how many they, will they win when Wentz eventually goes down for energy uh, and injury, which <laughs> yeah, will happen I, I hope but, not but uh, Dak Prescott's a great guy too yeah. Stu <laughs> is I mean, he? he's awesome in fact 12 and 4 is what I'm predicting okay uh, for the Cowboys well yep I, that's actually wow. my legitimate. Uh, I think they're going to be good. I think the Cowboys are going to be good. Unfortunately, if Elliot comes back, if Elliot comes back, yeah. if he doesn't, we go eight and eight. <sighs> he'll come back. You think? I mean, is, is he? He's, I think he'll be there for the first regular season game. He's not making a ton of endorsements because he's made some bad choices. Uh, yeah. So some. A few, <laughs> has, has he made a good choice? <laughs> some point he's point? got two years left on his contract. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. If he doesn't on. show up, he gets nothing. And he's making. Is it six million this year, or next year? Yeah, he's making. I mean, he's, he's making, making a lot of money for money. a rookie contract to have been signed. He's making a lot of money, and so play out your contract, right? Then get your big payday. It, nobody does, though. Nobody does. Uh, yesterday's poll question: Who is losing the Democratic <laughs> debates the worst? Uh, America. Yes. We, we won or lost this poll, whichever way you'd like to say it. Sixty-two percent said America is losing. By the way, on this, it's the, have you seen this interesting philosophy? And, and the highest campaign is pushing it hard, but they think that like the Russian bot thing is happening to Kamala Harris. And, like, there's some evidence, I think, that is actually, like, something is happening. It uh-huh. could just be organized other campaigns or something. Right. But, like, like things are trending on, like, uh, Kamala Harris gets destroyed was, was, oh, yeah. was uh, trending on Twitter. Now, I like, saw that. Look, she had one bad... She was mediocre in that debate. She was not terrible. Mm-hmm. She had one moment where she kind of got smoked by Tulsi Gabbard, but that was really it. I mean, it was not a, a notable debate for her. I thought she was pretty weak yeah, the entire time. Okay, well, I mean... But destroyed, I mean, though. She didn't even destroyed? Like, yeah. She didn't even appear to know her health care plan. It's you know what, like, she, Did you read the thing? No. Uh, it didn't seem... Like, she, knows, no. she needs to learn it at some point. I don't think she did. <laughs> she does yeah. need to learn it at some <laughs> point. It'll probably be helpful. Probably good, yeah. yeah. Uh, so 23% said Kamala, which... Maybe it was the right. Russian bot. Right, like Kam- Kamala Harris flooding, got destroyed. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah influenced so, yeah. their Russian their votes. Russian bots are voting in our poll. Yeah, eight <laughs> percent said Gillibrand, who I have to assume is going to be the next one to drop out uh, from the debates, and seven percent said Joe Biden. Um, today's poll, 
<laughs> what did you watch this week? So the options are the debates, the Trump rally, both or neither. I didn't, I gotta be honest, I'm not a fan of watching rallies on television. I mean, come me on. neither. Period. The Trump rally thing is like, it's I guess maybe thing. if you're there, it's fun. It's, he right. does the same thing every single time. Like, right. I, I, I mean, this is any candidate. I don't want to go to a political rally for anybody. Never. But, but I mean, they're, it's ridiculous. They're, they're pep rallies. Yeah. I, yes. is, he's not a god and he's not a king. And he's, he's a, a president. He, and for and he's also long winded, let's be honest about it, in these speeches. He's stopped there for 90 minutes half the time. No, thank you. I've, I've had enough of this. <laughs> I went to, uh, in Iowa, I went to a Cruz yeah. rally. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was just like, this is, they were playing Bruce Springsteen music really yeah, loud. It's, it's, and my, it was hurting my ears. And I was like, I'm, am I at a rock concert or am I, I can't waiting to hear politicians speak? It was very weird. That Iowa thing mm-hmm. is, is, I don't know how yeah. these guys do it. I give them all credit. I mean, seriously, the fact that they can survive this like year long traveling around Iowa, going from event to event thing. I, we did it for one weekend. I wanted to die. <laughs> I understand they're they're it's important, early. but I I just I I cannot I would never go to a political rally ever. I want to see one boring speech about what you believe in. That's all I want. Yeah. I'm not going to go to a rah rah event for you. That's, that's what the that's what politics is though. Now I mean it's just it's it is legitimately just hero worship at mm-hmm. this point. I mean I, you know I, I, people just do. I mean look at and we talked about this on radio today, Pat. The, the Tea Party just doesn't. No one cares about budgets anymore. No yeah, one cares. No one cares. No one cares. And it's like, all right, I don't care anymore. And now we're just going to cheer for something else. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is the way, obviously, like, I think people who are really engaged, people who watch The Blaze, people who read, you know, The Daily Wire, people who are really into it, yes, there's those people. But, like, overall, it's just a small minority. People mostly just don't care. They just see this team. I go to every political rally I can possibly attend. Do you? Travel all over the country. I'm not like a deadhead. I just go to <laughs> rally after rally. I can tell that yeah. about you. I got a Volkswagen uh, van, mm-hmm. and I drive it all over. The My understanding is you go from Seth Moulton appearance to <laughs> Seth Moulton appearance. Yeah. <laughs> if, if Seth is is doing a rally, I'm there. <laughs> okay. I'm there. Uh, let us know what you watched. You can go to the Blaze's Twitter. That is at the Blaze, gentlemen. Thank you for being here. We'll thank see you, you guys Monday. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.